when you get somewhere to be. No, so far. <laughs> Sound of Hockey episode 32 and a half. It's a special bonus episode. So it's going to be a short one. We just, we had this really great interview and we didn't want to hold on to it for any longer than we needed to. So we wanted to make sure that it's good and timely for you with the playoffs and the landscape of the NHL constantly changing. But it's a huge, huge interview and a very fun one at that. We had our good friend, Sean McIndoe of, you may know him as Down Goes Brown. He writes on The Athletic. Uh, Really, really fun interview with him. So uh, get comfortable, sit back, enjoy. Here it is, Sean McAndrew. It's just one throwing right hand to LaFave. Another right hand by Brown. LaFave gets an uppercut. Down goes Brown! Down goes Brown! All right, we now welcome to Sound of Hockey another very special guest. We have Sean McIndoe, the author of the book, The Down Goes Brown, History of the NHL, the World's Most Beautiful Sport, and the World's Most Ridiculous League. You may also know him from The Athletic, Puck Soup, formerly of Biscuits, colon, a hockey podcast. Uh, Sean, where else should we know you from? Uh, I don't know. I think you've pretty much captured it. <laughs> I've bounced around. I'm a journeyman of the uh, hockey media game, but uh, yeah, this, I think he captured it. Yeah, but you're and not to blow smoke, but you're you're well loved in the hockey media game. We all very much enjoy reading your stuff and listening to your podcasts and all that. So, um, so for our listeners, if you aren't familiar with his work, definitely find him. He's he's at Down Goes Brown. Uh, he's always comical and and not to you know put too much pressure on you, but we're expecting <laughs> you to make us all laugh today. So uh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you seem to really love the kind of the history of the sport that's always an angle that you you take so i guess like your approach to coverage what drives you to come up with these stories and anecdotes that people may not know it it's yeah i mean i've always been kind of fascinated by the the history and and i've been asked ever since the book came out i've been asked a bunch of times like where that came from and i never really thought about it but i now i i think my best answer maybe is that like i grew up as a Leafs fan in the harold ballard era when you're a Leafs fan in the harold ballard era there's not a lot going on for you in the present <laughs> and and the future doesn't look much much brighter like you're so you're the only other option is to is to look backwards and and look into the past and and obviously the Leafs got a long history but just I was always just really interested in any of those stories and and obviously as a kid like like most young hockey fans I I, I read up on like the teams that have won Stanley Cups and the teams that had you know, the superstar players and the, the guys that I'd never seen uh, with my own eyes, Bobby Orr's and Gordie Howe's and Rocket Richard's and, and all of those guys. But I was also really interested in just the other stuff surrounding it that, that you know, some of which was kind of weird or, or strange or, you know, you'd, you'd just be sitting there uh, and, and you'd be watching like a 7-1 blowout and there's nothing going on. <laughs> and and the, the commentators are just desperately trying to think of something to talk about. And, you know, then, then just out of nowhere that, you know, play by play guy would just get desperate and he'd be like, ah, you know, this reminds me of that time in L.A. that somebody threw a live chicken on the ice wearing a cape <laughs> and the ref didn't see it and the players just played around it. And anyways, there's an icing. We'll be back after this message. And I'd be sitting there going, I want to hear that story, man. Like, come back to that. I don't you know, that's that's the stuff that I think is cool. And so I've always like as I got got into the writing and, and eventually got to the point where I could kind of write about the stuff I wanted to. That was always the stuff that I, I liked working in for a couple of reasons. Number one is I, I do think one of the best ways to understand the present is to understand the past. So I, 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 I always, you know, whenever something's happening, I like to think, okay, has this happened before? What did it look like? 
what can we learn from that? Uh, and, and then the other thing is just I, I, I like being that desperate play by play guy who throws a story out there that other people have never heard because I, you know, I hear from readers and they're like, Are, were you joking about that? Did that really happen? Is that? And then I can be like, yeah, I can be the one to tell them, no, this did actually happen. That this, this stupid league did spin a roulette wheel to figure out who got the first pick in the draft and, and then screwed it up and gave it to the wrong team. You know, that this, there have been times where, you know, there was a team that wore earmuffs uh, on the bench because the crowd was too loud. That actually happened. There have been, players drafted who didn't actually exist like you just go down the list and you know fans especially fans who are young or new to the sport but even even old timers are like i never heard that before and it's like yeah you you probably haven't it's it's fun to be the one that that gets kind of like break that news to somebody that uh, that you know this league has always been just kind of vaguely weird and screwed up so how much of what you write or talk about like on your podcast how much of that is research specifically for the content and how much of it is just off the cuff like are are you just a a pierre mcguire type encyclopedic knowledge or do you do a lot of like fact finding before you start sharing stuff the the podcast is is very much off the cuff because that's i mean that's sort of a a different deal with with greg and ryan where they've uh you know they've they've kind of got their own vibe to it that that I fit into. But when I sit down to write something, very often it's, or even to tweet something, it's it's very often there is some research to it, largely because, you know, some of this stuff is so weird that half the time in my own head, I'm like, I, am I sure this actually happened? Like, did I not, maybe I dreamed this, or maybe this is like some, you know, my uncle, like, was was just pulling a fast one on like a six-year-old and told me that this happened and it's you know i should double check this because i don't want to be throwing it out there and then find out it never happened and there there are some things that you know are uh you know stories that that uh you know get passed around that turn out not to be true or not to be completely true or or maybe uh didn't quite happen the way and and you know i I'm a sucker for a good story, but accuracy matters. You don't want to be passing on uh, something that isn't uh, isn't quite accurate. But so yeah, I, I do try to dig into it and figure out what actually did happen and and what didn't. And sometimes that means that a, a cool story turns out maybe not to have been as good as you thought it was. Sometimes it turns out to be even better. Sometimes you dig up new details and you're like, holy crap! Like what what was going on back then? Uh, and and then you can mix that in there. Is there a bit of hockey history that like you've kind of known forever that you think? hockey fans pretty much don't know i mean a lot of it a lot of the stuff that's that's in the book uh is uh, you know for if if people haven't seen i'm assuming most of the people listening to this probably haven't read the book or or seen it <laughs> the, what i do is it's it's 25 chapters of nhl history and it's got all the stuff in it it's got you know here, here all the dynasties all the superstars all the records all the important stuff expansion and and league presidents and all of that but then in between each chapter i do it like a, a little mini chapter that's just something weird that you probably don't know, you know, whether it's how how strange the rules were back in the 20s, whether it was, uh, you know, expansions that were planned and then never happened, uh, you know, whether it was uh, just the weird stuff, like I say, earmuffs and roulette wheels and 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 all of this <laughs> but right right through up to present day and uh it kind of it it breaks the book up a little bit because i love history but i'm also very aware that most people don't want to read a textbook and and, you know you don't you don't want it to feel like a slog um and and you know having knowing that there's something weird that you probably never heard of is is coming sort of around the corner is uh hopefully 
keeps the reader engaged and, and keeps them turning the pages. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that is stuff that I always knew. And then there's also stuff that I, I learned in researching. And there's also stuff that that's kind of my favorite, which is stuff that I learned from readers where I would throw something out there and they'd be like, holy crap, that's weird. I never heard that before. But did you ever hear this one? And then I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? How did that, uh, that sends me down that rabbit hole. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where the fun comes in. Do you feel there's still, there's still quirky stories like that happening today or, or, or maybe just be think of those old stories. We, we value them more because they're old and, and have some romanticism around them. Yeah. You know, there, there's certainly that element to it. And, and there's also the fact that Gary Bettman, I, I have a lot of mixed, uh, you know, <laughs> mixed feelings on the Gary Bettman era. And I know a lot of fans do. And I, you know, and, and, and I think there are all sorts of things that you can very legitimately criticize Gary Bettman and, and his, his, his era for. Uh, but the reality is he also came in and cleaned up a lot of junk in this league. And mm. and he came in and kind of classed up the joint and, and at least turned <laughs> it into a professional organization. Some of the stuff that was going on and, you know, again, like, I, I think people understand that when you go back to the 1920s, you're, there's going to be all sorts of crazy stuff. Sure. Happening that, you know, oh, yeah, the night that the the goalie punched the goal judge, but the goal judge turned out to be friends with the owner of the team who was a mobster. So they put out a hit <laughs> on the goalie and he had like and you hear that you go, that's crazy. But yeah, 1920s. Sure. That, that probably happened. I'm not even talking that far back. I'm talking like 80s and early 90s. There was stuff going on where you're just like, was this a professional league? Like, is this <laughs> was this really like a big four sport, the, the way it was being run? There is still stuff like that that goes on. And I, I'm absolutely sure that there are stories that, that we don't know that don't get made public. But Gary Bettman definitely did kind of come in, put a fresh coat of paint, like get, you know, clean the gunk out of everyone's eyes and put them in a nice suit and 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 get everyone kind of up and, and walking <laughs> upright, at least because there there is less of that, you know, completely insane. It's more been dialed down to like reasonably insane. Well, well, looking at that, the current news, obviously the big news uh, last night, Columbus uh, sweeps Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh also swept by the Islanders. Uh, is it is it shocking that those teams are out to you or, or is it maybe shocking that they're out in four games? Yeah, I mean, both. It's it's the Penguins being out uh, to the Islanders is is a surprise. Certainly the fact that it's a sweep. It's not a shock. The yeah. Islanders were, you know, the Islanders had home ice. The Islanders had a great season. They had better goaltending. There were lots of reasons to think that they could absolutely win that series. I think, in general, I, I think more people were picking the Penguins. I think the odds makers had the the, the series almost exactly even. I, I don't think anyone would have been surprised by either team winning at six or seven. Seeing one team win at four is a surprise. The Lightning going out in four is a, is a total shock. This is it literally unprecedented to have a, mm-hmm. a team finish first overall and not even win a playoff game, um, mm-hmm. let alone a team finishing first overall by a mile, which is what the Lightning did and, and you know, tying the all-time wins record. And to, to do everything the Lightning did in a salary cap era with all of this parity where there's just this, like, huge gravity in the center of the league pulling everyone into the middle. Uh, for them to to be as good as they were was was just amazing. It was it, it, it in terms of the regular season, quite possibly not just the best team of the cap era, but maybe the best team going back twenty or twenty five years. They, they were that good, and for them to just go in and get swept is it's completely stunning. And I know that as hockey fans and as certainly as hockey media, we have this instinct 
whenever something like this happens, we, we got to start with the narratives and it's got to be, mm-hmm. well, maybe they didn't want it enough, or maybe they hadn't gone through <laughs> enough adversity or maybe this or that. Uh, you know what? Sometimes it's just, you just look at it and go, I don't have an answer here. Like I really don't <laughs> like they, the blue jackets got better goaltending, mm-hmm. but Sergei Bobrovsky didn't steal this series. He didn't stand on his head. They had better special teams that, that often, uh, you know, is, is part of it. Uh, you know, one of the things I've seen a lot is people saying, well, the refs put the whistles away and they were just, you know, the Blue Jackets were allowed to, you know, play more physical. The Lightning were a more physical team. Lightning were the second most penalized team in the league. The Blue Jackets were the second least penalized team in the league. Lightning were top 10 in hits. Blue Jackets were bottom 10. If the refs put the whistles away, that should have worked for the Lightning, not for the for the Blue Jackets. So, Absolutely understand that that like I say, fans and and especially media who are paid to presumably know this stuff, we have to start coming up with explanations. We have to start <laughs> listing, uh, you know, here's why this happened. And uh, it, but sometimes you just got to go, you know what, man? Maybe it just doesn't make any sense. You know, the Blue Jackets were a better team than we thought for sure, and yet we know what they did at the trade deadline. We know that maybe they were a better team than their record indicated because they loaded up a bit, but. A bit. I mean, they brought in Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle. Let's let's you know they didn't go out and acquire like 1993 Mario Lemieux. Here. Like they they got a couple of good players. Yeah. Uh, and you know they and, and and full credit to them. I mean, the the Blue Jackets were the better team in this series for four games. They were the better team, not by as much as the scoreboard indicated. Uh, I mean, this was a series. Basically, three of the games were one goal games. If you take out the empty netters. Uh, if, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, you wouldn't have expected the Lightning to win one or two of those games. They, like this, the series should still be going on if, if it was, you know, if, if, if it was the right result that, that both teams deserved. But it's also not a case where, oh, you know, the Lightning just ran into a hot goalie or they just didn't get the bounces and they were the better team, but they lost. And what can you do? Like, it, it's it's more than that. The Blue Jackets were great and, and full credit to them. But as far as, you know, how how they could beat this team in, in four. I mean, it's it's almost unimaginable. And I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to say it because I'm paid to to know what's going on. I, I don't get it. And I, <laughs> I have a very hard time explaining it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can make something up for you if you need me to. But I, I don't think the NHL playoffs are, mor- are a morality play. I don't think you win or lose just on, based on trying really hard and whoever tries hardest wins. I think I've, <laughs> I've said before, I think that's kindergarten thinking that if you just try your very best, that you'll always win. For Tampa, they're, they're going to get hammered over the next few days about character issues and all of this other stuff. I, I think the best explanation I can come up with is in today's NHL, the difference between great teams and good teams is not very big. It's it's a lot smaller than we think it is. There's 31 teams now. Half the league doesn't make the playoffs. There's no bad teams in the playoffs anymore. This isn't the Oilers playing the 62-point Vancouver Canucks uh, in mm-hmm. the Gretzky era. Uh, the gaps are very small. The margins are very small. The difference between being great and really being good uh, is is not very big. Before you even factor in the luck factor, which is enormous and way bigger than any of us want to think. Uh, and, uh, you know, you add that all up and every now and then you're just going to get a stunning result. Uh, and maybe we shouldn't be all that stunned, uh, but we are. And, uh, it, you know, we're, we're, we're grasping for a more concrete explanation to, to dig into. So um, I guess looking ahead a little at the playoffs and, and who's left, what do you think will be the next kind of wild storyline for everyone to be shocked by? Uh, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing, I, you, you go back to the Blue Jackets, the funny thing is, and I remember having this conversation with someone, and obviously I didn't expect that that, that we'd see anything like what we just saw, but... 
you know, they were talking about the playoff format and how they hate the playoff format and the, you know, the Leafs or the Bruins, whoever, like, they shouldn't have to play the Lightning in round two. That's not fair. That's two of the best teams in the league. And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, but you got to beat the Lightning eventually, right? I mean, whether you beat them in the second round or the third round or the fourth round, you, if you're going to win the cup, you got to beat Tampa. And they said, yeah, but if the, the, the longer you get to wait, the better the chance some other team's going to upset them for you. And it, which is obviously what happened. I said, yeah, well, that's true. But but as soon as a team upsets the Lightning, now that team becomes the scary team. And it's yeah. like now the Blue Jackets are the scary team. The, the Bruins and the Leafs are probably going to play this long series. And you you watch. Everyone's going to be picking the Blue Jackets to win round two, which is crazy. But that's how we just, you know, we, we the pendulum swings to the other side. Uh, and so we're going to see that. Um, you know, I, I still think you look at the West, everything's mostly still up in the air there obviously vegas has got a uh, a nice edge on the sharks um but you know that's that's i mean we we could see the number one seeds go out in the west too i mean yeah. it, like this this is we we could wind up with dallas and you know playing st louis and you know all this stuff that nobody nobody saw coming uh you know maybe colorado can can stick in it you know the the, the crazy story isn't going to be you know, one series where we say that's the crazy team. The crazy story is we're going to get in the second round and we're going to be like half these teams, uh, you know, we didn't think we're going to be here. Like I, I, I tweeted a few days ago, like it's it's not unrealistic to think that the second round in the Eastern Conference could be the Islanders who are already through, the Blue Jackets who are already through, the Leafs are leading the series, and and Carolina Hurricanes who, who are down but, but just played really, just dominated their last mm-hmm. game against Washington. Those are four teams that have combined to win one playoff series in the last four years or the last, sorry, the last nine years, going back to the last nine seasons before last night, obviously those four teams had combined for one playoff series. Wow. win, And it was the Islanders who got, so when the Islanders are the experienced playoff winners in a fun, <laughs> like, you know, you've, you've, you've reached uh, something that's, that's, you know what, it, like we'll, we'll see that and we'll do what hockey fans do. We'll be shocked and then we'll kind of process it and we'll convince ourselves that it makes sense. Uh, and uh, and that's it, and we'll keep going. And how excited are you for uh, Islanders Leafs conference final? Uh, that, uh, honestly, that that will be a, that'll be an, an utter train wreck if that happens. Uh, I, I, I I love chaos, so there's part of me that that wants to see it, but there's also part of me that's like, man, this is. Uh, that is going to be ugly. The, those and 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 ugly, not just in terms of angry fans, and you know we we certainly saw that from Islander fans already in in February, but just like bad takes and bad narratives, <laughs> and just like it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where like I feel like that's a series that you think you want, and then you're going to get three games into it, and you're going to be like, this was a bad idea. We should not have done. This. <laughs> Take it back. Well, well, speaking of the Leafs, uh, you mentioned being a fan during the Ballard era when things were bad, but now you've got Matthews, Marner, Tavares, all that. you got a loaded team. Has that made being a Leafs fan more stressful now that there's legit expectations, or, or are you enjoying the ride? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still a little bit in enjoying the ride mode. I, I remember in when they made the playoffs in, in 2017, when they played the Capitals, I was like, this is this is fun. This is the only fun playoff series you'll ever have, because you're not expected to make it. It's not a fluke. It's a good young team. You're on the way up. Whatever happens at you, if, 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 even if you get swept, you're still mm-hmm. back in the playoffs, and it's great. And, and that was a fun series. Ton of overtime, uh, and and eventually the Capitals win. You know, last year not as much. 
because it's because it was the Bruins because of how that series went. Like that series yeah. wasn't fun as a Leaf fan from the very beginning because I got crushed in the first two games. Kadri gets suspended. They, you know, they they're down three one. They win game five in Boston, but they shouldn't have. They just got crushed in that game. But but you know, it's hockey. Sometimes it, the best team doesn't win. Goes to game seven. They they're leading in the third period. They lose the game. It's like that. That was a series that was kind of designed to not be fun. This one, you know, so so you, you're right. The expectations are up. If the Leafs lose this series, which they absolutely still could, the temperature in Toronto changes. Like sure. it's it's been a fun three years, uh, but this this is this is where it takes a turn. This is where the daggers come out for Mike Babcock. <laughs> where the, you know, Shanahan screwed up. He put Dubas in charge. He should have kept Lamarello. All this stuff, the character, all the same stuff that people are saying about the Lightning. They start picking various Leaf players to say it about. So it's going to get ugly. Uh, it's still. You know, in a way, the fact that they drew the Bruins and it's they're underdogs and it's kind of like, well, you know, it's not that nobody's expecting them to win. But, you know, this isn't uh, it's not a series where you're the favorite going in. Maybe that takes some of the pressure off. And the fact that they've played well, at least in, in two of the games. But, yeah, you're right. There's there is something about watching the playoffs as a neutral party, which which you get very used to as a Leaf fan uh, every spring. <laughs> that you kind of just sit back and you're like, this is all so great. And then it's you're, fun. you know, I, yeah. I wish my team was in this. And then your team's in it and you're watching and you're like, oh, this sucks. Right. I hate this. <laughs> uh, so there there is there is definitely an element of that. Yeah. Hey, here's a good question. How rigged is the NHL draft lottery? <laughs> you know what? It's it is it is not rigged at all. And I can say that with. 100 percent uh confidence because when connor mcdavid was available he went to the edmonton oilers which is the <laughs> worst possible outcome and the fact that the, like I, I i wrote about it that that day of the of the lottery and i was you know having fun with it that, that you know if the oilers the oilers were the worst case scenario and i i wrote at the time that if the oilers win the lottery the league needs to just redo it and not redo it even as like it not like as as an under the table thing they just like we should just see bill daly flip the card and be like nope and then just walk into a room start stuffing ping pong balls back into the machine and be like do it again and like until it's not the oilers so the fact that they didn't do that uh shows me that uh they they absolutely will never rig a league because the fact that you did put that guy in New York or Toronto, Toronto or wherever yeah. you could have put them. I mean, that that probably has is costing the league, you know, tens of millions of dollars every single year. So <laughs> they're not rigging it for Jack Hughes if they didn't do it for Connor McDavid. Okay, Sean, if you were hiring the GM in Seattle, uh, what type of GM would you be looking for? Yeah, uh, I, w- I mean, uh, is George McPhee. He's a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be a good one I, I mean yeah obviously you're looking for you know typically i would say you know you want somebody somebody younger somebody with some fresh eyes somebody who can kind of grow with the franchise but the, that's not really what vegas did so you know maybe you do go for the the more kind of veteran approach somebody who can guide you through the reality is the expansion draft is the key and there's virtually nobody who has any experience running an expansion draft other than the guys in the in in, in the golden knights front office so that's where i'd start I would I would be trying to raid them. Other than that, I would be having guys. I mean, the interview process must be fascinating because I don't I don't want to just sit there and hear you tell me about grit and heart. I, I want to put you in a simulation and say, here's here's the expansion draft. I, I show me how you're going to run this and show me how you're going to adapt to the fact that you have a plan that worked for George McPhee and the Knights as far as the trades they made. And now the entire league is going to overcorrect in the other direction and refuse to trade with us. So how are you going to handle that? What are the new, what are the inefficiencies you're going to find and exploit uh, and that kind of thing? But I would be trying to raid Vegas. I would be finding someone who really seemed to have a handle on the expansion draft. 
Um, and as an outsider fan who just wants chaos and entertainment, uh, I hope they hire somebody. I hope they hire like Brian Burke or somebody like that who's just going to be good. <laughs> Good, good, entertaining, and angry all the time. Uh, all right, so we'll jump into our buy-seller hold here to wrap up the interview. So our first buy-seller hold category, the Leafs will win a Stanley Cup in your lifetime. Buy-seller hold. Oh, boy. All right, let me let me do some math here. I went, I went to the gym this morning, so I don't... Ah, uh, boy. I will buy that. I, I think they're well-positioned. I think... You know, their their odds of I, I I should have a good twenty years left. Fingers crossed. I hope. <laughs> but a lot of the the pressure's on me on that one. Put it that way. I gotta... Closer to your home, buy seller hold. Eugene Melnick is the owner of the Ottawa Senators in five years. I, I will sell on that. I don't think he is. I, I know he has said he will never sell, uh, but that is not completely up to him. I I'm I am no insider. I don't have. I'm not plugged into what's happening behind the scenes in the league. But I can't imagine that they're happy with this and the 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 franchise is not moving they're not moving this team we've seen how backwards this league will bend over to keep teams in places like florida and arizona so they're not letting a canadian market move so if it comes to a situation where it just can't continue to work for eugene melnick in ottawa then it's it's not the ottawa part of that equation that changes Mm -hmm. and there are groups that uh would would be interested and would keep the team here and, and potentially could could do that while getting an arena done. I'm not saying it's going to happen quickly. I'm not saying he's going to go willingly, but I think Gary Bettman can put a lot of pressure behind the scenes on on things to happen. And uh, I I don't think with a in a league where there are seven Canadian teams that generate a five billion dollar TV contract and 24 soon to be 25 American teams that generate a fraction of that. Gary Bettman is not going to let one of his seven Canadian markets go to hell. Uh, without uh, without stepping in potentially behind the scenes in ways that we don't see uh, and and making sure that they're put in a position to succeed. All right, buy, sell, or hold. The NHL will show us ping pong balls in the NHL draft lottery next season. They usually show it. Did they Did they show it this year? With I the, don't think they did. I thought they, they just they, did the stupid they, cards. They yeah. did, but it was just, uh, <laughs> it was clearly not enough balls to like distribute the odds. So it was... It was kind of, it was just for display only. No, they, they, well, because the thing is they don't do it on the night of the reveal. Like the way they do it is it's done behind the scenes and then it's just, yeah, Bill Daly stands there with the cards. But they, in past years, and I don't know if they did it this year, but in past years, they've actually filmed the the actual lottery and then posted that like on the website later. So (laughs) it's like, here, all you conspiracy theorists can... uh, uh, can, can dig into that, but I don't know if they did that or, or not this year, but they have in the past. It's, yeah, it's four, 14 balls in the lottery, uh, and they've got this whole complicated system with number of combos and, and all of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, they, they hopefully they, they'll put it on there. If not, that might be a, that might be a notch in your uh, tinfoil hat. Uh, <laughs> all right, and so finally, uh, buy, sell, or hold. Biscuits, the hockey podcast, makes a comeback someday. Oh man, I wish I would love to. I, I don't. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know who owns the name. And uh, yeah, Dave. Dave is. Uh, you know, for for those who don't know, the show ended because uh, Dave Lozo uh, went to work in uh, TV Land, which is I think where he's he's kind of always wanted to be. And that's that's a great job and a great spot for him. But it is a lot of work. And you, yeah, I mean to to be putting all those hours in and then come come back to do a podcast on the side. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't want to wish for it because I I want him to continue to have. Uh, 
all the success in in TV world, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun doing that show, and uh, never rule anything out, and and uh, maybe someday, even if it's just a a one off, we can we can get a reunion going. Awesome, well, Sean McIndoe, thank you so so much. You have been very gracious with your time. Listeners, get out there and buy his book. Uh, it's on Amazon. The Down Goes Brown: History of the NHL. And uh, thank you once again for joining us. We've we've really enjoyed this, Sean. Yeah, thanks. Right thanks, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Sean. Good luck to your uh, your Maple Leafs, by the way. Thank you. I like the the sincerity. You can tell you really. <laughs> and that was Sean McIndoe of The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining the episode and uh, and the podcast. We had such a great time talking to you. Uh, we will be back in just a few days, folks, for episode 33. Cheers to you. Cheers to you.